We'll turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. We're going to look at verses 16 through 20. These are the last verses in Matthew's Gospel. You can find them on page 1550. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thus ends our reading of God's unfailing word. May all who hear it find that Jesus Christ is with them always to the very end of the age. Well, it was on August 19, 2018, 1,246 days ago, when we initially stepped foot into Matthew's Gospel. And since that time, we have gone through 117 sermons. And now today will be sermon number 118, our last one in this book. But if you recall, it was, it was on that first day that we looked at only one verse. Matthew 1, verse 1. It, it reads as follows. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it was that verse that set the stage, if you will, for this journey that we have gone through. For that verse focused, focused us on three things. One, that, that Jesus is a Christ. Two, that Jesus is the son of David. Three, that, that Jesus is the son of Abraham. Now when Matthew says that, that Jesus is a Christ, he, he means that he is the anointed king, also known as the Messiah. He is the one who is to rule over God's people as he establishes God's kingdom. Which leads in nicely to Jesus being the son of David. For when he says that, when Matthew says that Jesus is the son of David, he's saying that, that, that just as David was promised by God that his house and his kingdom would endure forever, that his, that his throne would be this eternal throne, that is now fulfilled in Jesus the Christ. And yet we also see that Jesus is the son of Abraham. For it is through Abraham's offspring that God promised to bless all the nations. All the nations of this earth. And this is who Jesus is. He, he is the Christ, the King of Kings. He is the son of David. David. The one sitting upon that eternal throne. 
And he is the son of Abraham, the one who blesses all nations as his kingdom expands to the ends of the earth. And this is what we have seen as we've been going through this book, this this account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We have witnessed this kingly theme play itself out. We have seen things such as the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy concerning the restoration of God's kingdom, or the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew often puts it. We have witnessed the inauguration of that kingdom, As Jesus began his ministry in in Galilee and slowly worked his way towards the cross in Jerusalem. And we heard of Christ's kingly wisdom as he first taught us at that Sermon on the Mount. We then peered into the power of that kingdom as Jesus healed the sick, cast out demons, and performed many miracles. We observe the expansion of the kingdom into the Gentile world as as Galilee was not just a home to the Jews. And we took notice of Jesus' kingly glory on that mount of transfiguration when he revealed to his disciples his godly nature. And we felt the majesty of Christ's presence when he rode into Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna to the son of David. And we sensed the impact of his holy justice as he cleansed the temple courts, driving out the money changers and the sellers of doves. And then we were eyewitnesses to the rejection of this kingdom by the religious leaders. Those who were constantly challenging Jesus and his messianic claims. Even so, we then saw a glimpse of the the eschatological or the future hope of the kingdom's consummation at the end of the age. When Jesus gave to us his Olivet Discourse. This then led to the shocking turn of events as we took in the horrific sight of Jesus being arrested tried and sentenced to die, to die on a cross where he suffered for our sake, where he wore that crown of thorns and there was a sign posted above his head that read this, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And yet not even death could restrain such kingly glory as we were there when, when the tomb was found empty, because Christ had risen just as he said. He has now defeated death and has brought victory to all who turn from their sins and trust in him. And now today, Matthew wants us to take all of that in, all of it, and ask the question, now what? Now that we know who who Jesus is, now that we know all that he has done, all that he has done to rescue us from our fallen state, what are we as his disciples supposed to do? Let's take a look at this last section of Matthew's gospel and find out. In verses 16 and 17, Matthew sets the scene for us. It reads as follows. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, 
to the, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When, he saw, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Here we see a, a, something similar to the, to the women who visited that empty tomb. If you recall, those, those women, they were filled with both fear and joy. And yet when Jesus came to them, what did they do? They, they, they fell at his feet. They, they clasped at his feet and worshipped him. And now here we, we see the eleven, those, those men who had been called by Jesus just three years prior. They, they, they had obeyed Jesus' command and went to this mountain in Galilee where they were once again reunited with their king. And what do we see them doing once they were there? They were worshiping. If Matthew has taught you anything, it is that Jesus is God. Yes, God became a man. Yes, God took on human flesh and dwelt among us. He is named Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God and he is worthy of our worship. And so now this is what we see these 11 men doing. They are worshiping their risen king on this mountain in Galilee. Galilee, Galilee of the Gentiles, Galilee, the, the place of humble beginnings, Galilee, the, the region where Jesus began his ministry, and now he will finish it there as well as he gives his last instructions to his disciples. Think back to, to, to chapter 8 of Matthew. When the disciples were on that boat in the midst of the, the storm, the wind and the waves. And yet with a single word, Jesus calmed all of it. The wind stopped. The waves were no more. These same disciples back then, they, they asked the question, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They no longer needed to ask that question. For they now knew who Jesus is. That he is God incarnate. Yahweh in human flesh. And he is worthy of their worship. And yet what does the text also say? That there were still some who had their doubts. Doubts in the resurrection Doubts in who Jesus is. Even though these men saw their risen Savior standing right in front of them. Even though the, the proof could be touched, could be heard. There were still some who found it difficult to believe. But why doubt? Why, why this hesitation in their faith? If you remember, these men had always been slow to understand Right? This is what we witness throughout this whole gospel. And even near the end, when, when Jesus was arrested and put on trial, these 11 men had all, all of them had fallen away. 
And so there shouldn't be any surprise here that some of them doubted. Though they saw their resurrected Lord with their own two eyes, they had yet to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. They had a faltering faith and were not yet the robust believers that we find in the book of Acts. They were not yet the spiritual giants that we will eventually come to know them by. And yet, despite all their doubts, despite their misgivings, they worshiped Jesus nonetheless. For what little faith they possessed had overcome their uncertainties. Their belief defeated their unbelief. And that is what true faith does. Let me ask you, do you understand who this Jesus is? Do you know all that he has accomplished? That he is God in human flesh and that he has conquered death and offers eternal life to any who believe in him? Do you realize that you should be bowing before him? That he is worthy of your worship? Do you believe this? And if you do, does that belief lead you into worship? Does your faith overcome your doubts? If this is you, if you believe in this Jesus, in this one who died for your sins, in this king who defeated death by rising from the grave, then just like those 11 disciples Jesus has some last words for you as well. Look at verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This son of David who establishes an eternal kingdom has now been given all authority in both heaven and on earth. Let's think about that for a moment and ponder what that really means. Has Jesus' authority suddenly become greater than what it was before? No, not, not really. Rather, what we see being expressed here is that the realms in which Jesus now exercises that authority have expanded. You see, during his earthly ministry, Jesus chose to, to limit himself for our sake. This is why in the wilderness, when, when he was being tested for 40 days and, and 40 nights, the devil, the devil took him to that high mountain where he offered to him the kingdoms of this world, if he would just bow down and, and worship him. You see, Satan was offering him, him a way to bypass the cross. You see, what you need to understand is that at any moment during Jesus' earthly ministry, he, he could have just taken control with the snap of his finger. That's the type of authority that he had. But he chose not to. Instead of ruling with an iron fist, he, he, he followed his father's will and worked towards the salvation of sinful man. 
He chose the path of humility rather than the path of power. But now, now that he has died for our sins, now that that tomb is empty, now that he is victorious over death itself, he has been granted all authority in both heaven and on earth. In essence, this, the, the Son has now become the mediator of the Father's will in all places. Look at, look at Daniel 7, verse 13. It reads this. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus now has all authority in both heaven and on earth. That means there is not one place in this universe that he is not king. If you are in China, Jesus is king. If you are in North Korea, Jesus is king. If you are in Iran, Jesus is king. And if you are standing here in Allegan, Michigan, Jesus is king. And because Jesus is king, that has consequences on your life. Look at our next verses. Look at verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Who here knows our church's mission statement? Todd raised his hand. I, I, I hope you all do. I hope you have it memorized. I, after all, it is written on the front of our bulletins each and every week. It states this. Our church exists to introduce people to Jesus Christ and to train those who already know him. Do you know why our mission statement is what it is? It is because it, is, it summarizes the mission statement that Jesus gave to his disciples. It summarizes what we just read at the end of this gospel. And so to be a member of this church, to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to be about Christ's mission. You have to take to heart what Jesus wants you to do and do it. But Jesus began this command with the word, therefore. And that word is of vital importance. Because what it does is it, it, it attaches this command, this commission, to what was just previously said. 
That, that Jesus has been given all authority in both heaven and on earth. Because Christ has been given all authority, you are to do these things. And the first thing that you are to do is to go. In other words, you are to be active in his kingdom work. You are not to be idle, but you are to be moving forward. You are not to sit still, but you are to go. But go and do what? Because Jesus has all authority, you are to go and make disciples. Now, what does it mean to make a disciple? It simply means to bring a person into a relationship of that of a student to a teacher. That that person would change from someone who was not following Jesus to a person who now follows him closely. But, but how does a, such a drastic change come about? How does someone who has rejected Christ or not even known about Christ suddenly become his follower? Through the proclamation of the gospel. Through the preaching of the good news. In other words, we, as Christ's disciples, are called to evangelize. We are to call out sin and warn people of the eternal danger that they are in. And then we are to point them to Jesus Christ, the one who died for those sins, to the one who, who can rescue them, who can rescue them from the eternal flames. To the one who can bring to them everlasting life through his victorious resurrection. For it is only through him, only through Jesus Christ, that a man can be saved. In essence, to, to make a disciple, we are to preach a message of a repentant life. A life that can only come through faith in Jesus Christ. For he truly is the only one who can rescue those who are lost. And so this is your job. You are to go. You are to proclaim this message. Trusting that Jesus has all authority, even the authority to change a person's heart from that of unbelief to belief. You are to evangelize. Seeking converts into the Christian faith. But to whom are you to go? To what kind of people is Christ sending you to? Because Jesus has all authority, you are to go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. In the Old Testament, the promise was that the nations would come to Mount Zion. That God would establish his kingdom and all the other kingdoms would be drawn to Jerusalem. And this is what we read earlier in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2 says this. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. 
It will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. What is described here are the nations flowing to Jerusalem. And yet what we see in this commission of Jesus is a reversal. The flow is inward, but but outward. Instead of the nations coming to Zion, Zion's going to the nations. We as disciples of Jesus are called to go forth. We are to move outward. We are to take this message to every tribe, to every tongue, and to every kingdom. You see, the the, the nations will not stream to Zion until Zion streams to them. Listen, Jesus is not just a Jewish king, but he has dominion over heaven and earth. And he is the son of Abraham, whose blessing spreads to every nation, to every people group. And so to them, you are to go. To the people in Allegan, to the people in Michigan, to the people in the Midwest, to the people on the East Coast and the West Coast, to people in Europe and in Africa, to to people in Asia and Australia, to North America, to South America, to the islands, both big and small. Listen, there, there is no place on this earth where you have not been commanded to go. To go and to proclaim this good news. Your aim should be to share the gospel to all people without distinction. And no, this is not an easy task. For not everyone will receive you. Just as the world hated Jesus, it's going to hate you as well. You may be ridiculed. You may be mocked. You may be called to suffer hardship or or even to die for your king. Yet you are to go nonetheless and bear witness to those around you, calling them to repentance, calling them to faith in Jesus Christ. For that is what a true disciple of Jesus does. He counts the costs, picks up his cross, and follows wherever his Lord may lead him. But the job doesn't end with evangelism. No. For, for once you make a disciple, once that, once that person turns from their sins and has faith in, in Jesus as their master, then you are to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You are to welcome them into the kingdom as a brother or sister in the Lord. For if they truly belong to Jesus, then they will desire to be obedient to their new king. And you, you are to help them on this journey. And the first step is baptism. But baptism is just the beginning. For Jesus then commands that we are to teach, to teach them, teach them to obey everything 
Everything that he has commanded us. What are we to teach them? Everything. Not just a little. Not just the parts that we like. But everything. And where do we find the the teachings of Jesus? Right here. In God's word. That means that we need to be students ourselves. We need to be digging into our Bibles that we might become knowledgeable and teachers ourselves. Let me ask you, how how often are you in God's Word? Are you seeking out Christ's wisdom every day? And if not, why? For for in this book, you you have a wisdom that is greater than anything else in this world. Why would you not avail yourself to it? Listen, if you are going to be a true disciple of Jesus, then you must be a student of his word as well. But not only a student, but a teacher. For you must pass it on to those who come after you. To be a true disciple of Jesus, then this is your calling. You were called to teach. Well, to sum these things up, because Jesus has all authority, you are to go. You are to be active in your faith. And you are to make disciples. You are to proclaim this good news the news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And you are to proclaim it to all nations, to every man, woman, and, and child whom God has placed before you. And you are to baptize those who believe. You are to welcome them into God's kingdom. And then you are to teach them. Teach them to obey all that Christ has commanded you. But in order to do that, you yourself must become a master of God's word. Brothers, sisters, this is not an easy task. In fact, it will require sacrifice on your part. And yet it is is what Jesus has commissioned you to do. This is your birthright. But here's the good news. Jesus doesn't doesn't just give you this command and then shove you out the door. No, that's not what he does. Look at at the end of our gospel. Look at at Jesus' last words. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. Our gospel doesn't end with a command. It ends with a promise. A promise of of Christ's reassuring presence. Surely I am with you always. Jesus, this, this one who has been granted all authority in both heaven and on earth. He... He will be right by your side. And he promises to be there to the very end. 
Think about that. No matter where you are on this earth, no matter who or whom you are witnessing to, this one who holds in his hand ultimate authority is right there with you. This, this king of kings who rules over everything is by your side. He's going with you. And so if you are faithful to his calling, if you are true to his commission, then you cannot fail. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? It's like playing one-on-one -on -one basketball, except you have a teammate. Oh, and by the way, your teammate's name is Michael Jordan. I mean, do you see it? You are a part of God's great commission. And because you are a part of that great commission, you have teamed up with the only one who never fails. How encouraging is that? Dear friends, now that you know who Jesus is, now that you know what Jesus has done, now that you know the type of authority that Jesus possesses, and now that you know that Jesus is with you, will you go? Will you fulfill your calling by making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded you? Will you do this? For if you will do this, then you will be in God's will. And you cannot fail. And the reason you cannot fail is because you will have Jesus right by your side. Now what? Let us go. Let us go to the nations and make disciples. Let us teach them all that Christ has commanded us. It doesn't get any better than that. Let us pray. Father, we are so, so thankful for your son. He truly is our king. And we are grateful for the, the kindness that you have shown to us. And so now we, we pray that you would direct our steps that you would help us to become bold witnesses as we go forth to make disciples, as we baptize those who, who come into the faith, and as we teach them while we ourselves are yet students. And we take comfort in the fact that your son, this one who has all authority, comes alongside us in this mission. And so we lift up the name of our King as we pray these things. We lift up the name of Jesus Christ. We ask that he would be with us to the very end of the age. Amen.